this time of year is always very interesting with graduations, um, with all of the end of the school and everything going on. There's one particular time in college that I remember that was awkward at times. It was the last lecture of professors. A lot of times professors will have this, uh, this feeling that they want to give you all of the stuff, like the, the big takeaways in their last lecture. Like, this is what I want you to remember me as, and this is what I think you should, this is the way you should mold your mind to handle all that life has for you. It's that last lecture. Well, in one of my classes just recently, it was a history course, and we had this priest who uh, we, all, we all love him. He's a great guy. But as we're going through human history, we have a tendency to focus on the negative. So he has this reputation of being a little bit of a pessimist. Well, this course, we were covering the early 20th century. Two world wars, rise of communism, the churches kind of play in all of this, going right into the Second Vatican Council. And as we were in our last lecture, we got five minutes left, one of the guys in our class raises his hand. The teacher had kind of said, like, what do y'all want to know? We have five minutes left. We had just been talking about a ton, ton of terrible stuff. The Holocaust, World War II, communism, and like kind of trying to speed through things. And he says, the guy raises his hand in a kind of a bold question. He says, is there any hope? It's very plain. Big group of seminarians, deacons, about to be priests. Is there any hope? It's plain as day. You reflect on the last hundred years in our society, in our culture, in our world. It's a lot of things that would make us think, nope. The Holocaust, the terrors of communism, the rise of terrorism, division, calling into question truths that we hold in, in creation itself. Is there any hope? The way the professor answered it, he said, I'll be honest, like when I look at culture, no. He said, I think culture is gone. I, the culture is going to always hook itself to the prince of this world. The world is going to be the world. He said, but you guys are going to be priests. And you can proclaim the name Jesus Christ, which is hope for the world. You're going to be able to proclaim his name. Today, it's exactly what Jesus says to us. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus is saying, I'm, what, like he's just, this is his last lecture, in a way. This is his last time he's with his disciples at the Last Supper. He sits down to teach them, and he starts talking to them about preparing a place for them. And Thomas offers this bold question. Where do, where, where are we going? We don't know, how do we know the way if we don't know where we're going? And Jesus offers one of the most famous lines of Scripture in the entire Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now we say this so much, it kind of rolls off of our tongue, and it can kind of get lost, the meaning. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. Or I'm a truth. Or I'm a life. 
The most important word in that phrase, in that verse, is very simply the word the. It says exclusivity. It says that there's only one, and it's me. Jesus didn't say I'm a way. He didn't say I'm an easy way. He said I'm the way. He didn't say I'm a truth amongst many others, or that I'm an easy truth, but I'm the truth. And he didn't say that I was a life, or an easy life, or a comfortable life, but I'm the life. When we look, when we, when we dive into that, it's so countercultural. It's so different than what the world says. The world wants to say things like, yeah, there's many ways, like, you're trying to get to heaven? Just be a good person, that's good enough. Jesus is saying, no, be with me, follow me, come my way. Truth, what's truth? You got your truth, I got my truth, and what we need to do is we need to not offend anybody's truth. Jesus says, no, I'm the truth. Listen to all those things that I've taught you, informed you in. It's in me. It's in my words. Life, you can define what means a good life to yourself. If it means a car, if it means a beautiful wife, if it means a family, if it means this, if it means that, you choose what a good life means. Jesus says, no. Let me show you. Let me teach you. I've, I've already spoken to you about what fulfillment in life looks like. It's very interesting that, th- that, especially when it comes to talking about life and the fulfillment of life, that this gospel is matched up with today's first reading. Today's first reading talks about the call of the first deacons from the church. The call of those first seven men who were called to serve the church, to preach, and to teach. This is the call of all of us as Christians to have a faith, to hold it, so to believe what, we, what it is that we learn, to proclaim it and teach it to our young, to our young people, in our, in our families, in our work, and then to serve those around us, to live a life that is full, to live a life that is for the other, not for ourselves. In the Second Vatican Council, there was, a, there was a, a document that came out that focused particularly on how the world was going to, how the church was going to interact with the world as the world continued to develop. This happens in the 60s, so it's right after World War II, communism's kind of going on, pointing to the end of the millennium. And as this was going on, There's a particular phrase that one of the documents uses to talk about Jesus that's especially prevalent with this scripture. What they said was that Jesus Christ, the person, the man, comes down and and, and blazes a trail for us, his followers. Like Jesus goes through his entire life, through the whole Christ event, from his incarnation to his ascension, everything in between, What he does is he paves the way for us to follow him. He becomes the model that we're called to follow step by step right behind. 
He blazes a trail for us. I remember growing up one day, my dad, who was, uh, he doesn't do it anymore, but he used to hunt. And in the off season, when it was hot and stuff, he never went out to his deer stand or anything. He would just let everything grow over. But he had his little trails that he would use to get to his deer stand. Well, I remember about a month before the season opened up, what we had to do was, so we had to go through, we had to start spreading the soybeans or the, the corn, whatever it is. You know, we got to start getting the, the area prepared for the hunt. One of the things that meant was we had to clean up those trails. So I remember dropping them off because I was on a four-wheeler. I was going to go run around and be, be a, a kid like I was supposed to be. Um, and I dropped my dad off, and I remember just looking at it, and it's just this, like, wall of brush. And there was no way we could see where we were going. I go ride around for a couple hours. I come back, and I could see straight through. He had cleared the path. It was obvious. I saw exactly where I was supposed to go. He was at the deer stand. All I had to do was just follow the path. What looked like, like, that's what Christ does for us. He kind of lifts the veil. He breaks open the path, and he shows us very clear, hey, look, you got 200 yards to get to the deer stand. Or just follow me. Like, just walk step in step with me. Be in relationship with me. Be my disciple. Follow me, and we're going to go to my Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Follow me. Just come with me. Because the Lord's way, it may not be easy, comfortable, one of many, It leads to the cross, but it also leads to the resurrection. It leads to the ascension. It leads back to the Father. His truths may not always be easy to accept. They may not always be comfortable. We may have to wrestle with our our own mind of how to understand and how to put them into practice. But let's follow them. They're leading us back to the Father. We want fulfillment of life? Just walk that step-by-step right behind him. He's calling us. He's inviting us to do so. Be in that relationship. And I'm going to lead you back to my Father. That's going to point, that's going to fulfill your life. This year, yesterday, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. And it's very fitting that on Mother's Day, that we can, we can reflect on Our Lady's role in, in following her son. Because Mary... If Jesus is walking this way and blazing this trail, Mary's hot on his heels, following him every step. She's, his fir- she's the first disciple of her son, living out his mission, his call to discipleship perfectly, and giving us a model to do the same. Our Lady, who's given us so much, so much hope over the last century with the message of Fatima, the call to pray the rosary, the call to, to give ourselves to her and to her son through her. This is the, the Lord sends us his mother to support us on this way. The Lord sends us mother to us so that we can hold him as and see him as the way, the truth, and the life. And not simply as, a, as one in many. Today, we come, to the, we come to this sacrament, we come to this altar as this family of faith to receive the Lord, to receive him in the sacrament of the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, to be strengthened 
so that we can better follow him along this way. That we can be a more faithful, a faithful companion with the Christ on the way back to the Father. So that we can be solidified in his truth. And that we can be nourished with the food not for this life, but for eternal life. Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Follow me. Very simply. That's his invitation to us tonight. Follow me. Amen.